0: Welcome to the Road to Seven podcast, guiding and supporting entrepreneurs along their road to
1: seven figures and beyond. Here's your host, Sheila Cummins. My guest today on the Road to Seven is Sharon Vindarine. If you don't know Sharon yet, then you need to listen to this interview. Sharon is the founder of Parent Tested, Parent Approved, also known as PTPA with a dedicated community of over 150,000 parents who subscribe to PTPA to learn about the latest and greatest products for their family. PTPA was started after Vindarin, an inventor of a baby product, was looking for ways to promote one of her new products. After submitting her new product to several awards that had promised to reach her consumer audience, she was disappointed to find that everyone who applied was an automatic winner receiving no feedback or outreach. This prompted the creation of the Parent-Tested, Parent-Approved Awards. PTPA is based on the foundation that people want the highest quality products for their families. What better way to ensure that your child is getting the best products than by having fellow parents test them? As a leader in her field, Vindarin has been acknowledged by the media as an industry leader and innovator. Vinderine has been recommended as a top-notch entrepreneur with tremendous smarts, and I couldn't agree more. She has appeared on over 200 morning shows on TV networks, including ABC, NBC, and the Fox News Network. Vinderine was a contributor on HLN's Raising America and has been invited to feature PTPA-winning products on shows such as The Rachel Ray Show, The Steve Harvey Show, Extra, Fox & Friends, KTLA, WPIX, Fox Global, and Lang & O'Leary in Toronto. Before venturing into the world of baby products, Vindereen was the founder of the first wireless internet company in Canada, MIPPS Net Online, which was ranked as one of Canada's hottest startups by Profit Magazine and was later sold to Primus Telecommunications. Sharon is the recipient of the 2015 RBC Canadian Women Entrepreneur Award in the Microbusiness category, as well as a recipient of the 2015 Silver Stevie Awards for Female Entrepreneur of the Year, and was ranked by Profit Magazine as one of Canada's rising stars. Vindoreen received her double honors degree from York University in Toronto and continues leading her successful company. She resides in Toronto with her husband and two children, aged 14 and 15, respectively. Today, Sharon and I sit down and talk about how she has created multi-million dollar companies. She's part of the elusive 2% of women entrepreneurs who have successfully built a seven-figure business. And she hasn't just done it once, my friends. She's done it more than once. So today she shares some of her secrets to building a seven-figure business. Enjoy the interview. As you've already heard from my introduction, I am with a woman who is an unbelievable entrepreneur. Sharon Vendoreen, we have known each other, kind of, for about the last decade, but I think this is the first time we've actually sat down and had a proper conversation. Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah, a little bit.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling long in the tooth as well. Um, Sharon, you've started not one, but several million dollar companies, which puts you in the elusive 2% of women entrepreneurs who are able to build companies to over seven figures. What do you think you're doing differently? Than the rest of the 98% of women entrepreneurs out there?
0: I think that I am kind of relentless. I'm like a dog with a bone, as my husband will tell as my kids will tell you when I'm (laughs) nagging them. Inability to quit anything and it's oh oh, yeah fear of failing out I guess. Uh, Yeah yeah that is really what it is to me. I come you know to parents who are entrepreneurs and I feel like I don't want to not be in that category of people
1: I love that. You started three quite different businesses as well through all of this. Tell us about those three. They're, they're so different.
0: When I graduated from university, um, I really wanted to be an events coordinator in the charity sector. I wanted not-for-profit. It was something I'd spent a lot of time in as a teenager and young adult, and I found I was employable. My dad had brought back this technology from Israel, and myself and an engineer just found a really innovative way to use this equipment, and we were able to build it into something pretty amazing wireless internet service. And tech was always in my blood. It was in mm-hmm. my background. I'm a tech geek. Loved it. And then by the time I was ready to get out of it, luckily, we were the leader in the marketplace. Um, and we were acquired uh, in a really great deal by Primus Telecommunications. Mm -hmm. something at the time. Uh, Now people hear about them a lot less. Um, And then I had my first child and didn't want to continue working for them and decided to launch my next business, which was a line of baby products, Mm -hmm. which eventually helped me decide that I really wanted to launch parent tested, parent approved.
1: Right. So it's sort of been an evolution, but always at the time, I feel like you're answering a need that was around you.
0: Yes, that's exactly what I felt when I did the internet. It was, I was located in an area where internet still had not, was not available. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to try and find a way to satisfy that. Mm -hmm. Then with the baby products, it was, I was a new mom. I was struggling. I needed some options. So I invented a baby product. Mm -hmm. And then with parent tested, parent approved, I was a new mom going out there shopping for new products, had no guidance as to what things were great and was calling tons of friends on a regular basis going hey did you love this swing hey did you love these diapers and I was yeah. taking parent recommendations and I thought hmm, this could be a serious business idea
1: fantastic what were some of those strategic moves that you took to get the ball rolling and to get some momentum with those very first clients let's talk about PTPA since that's what's around today
0: So I would say the biggest thing that helped me gain traction is somehow I got it into my head that I needed to get on television. And Mm -hmm. if I could get on television and talk about my brand and talk about some of the great brands I had discovered, then more clients would come on board, more parents would come on board, and it would kind of roll out from there. Um, So I spent about six months religiously pursuing producers, um, and I would have to say it was probably the most depressing six months of my life, because (laughs) I've never heard the word no so many times in a row from so many, um, until a producer um, on a Canadian morning show decided to say, fine, I will let you come on air if you promise that after this one segment, you will never bother me again. You're kidding. And luckily, even though I was horrendous when I look back now, um, she invited me to be a regular guest and things kind of rolled out from there. And being on TV gave me the opportunity to present myself as credible Mm -hmm. Um, because at that point in time, TV was really hard to get on. It wasn't, you know, you could pay to be on it unless you were a huge consumer brand. Um, And it made brands trust me more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I still think TV and media is a beautiful way to gain credibility. What I'm really intrigued about is the resilience that you said has been a key to your success. How did you deal with all those no's? How did Uh, you just keep going?
0: I have to give kudos to my husband. Yeah. Um, He is probably uh, my biggest supporter. He is that guy that reminds me that he has not known me to fail at anything. He has not known me to quit anything pretty much, whether I'm nagging or I'm pursuing a dream. Um, And whenever I feel like giving up, he just reminds me of that and helps remind me of the confidence that I need to have to get through every day. And as an entrepreneur, that's the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur you get told no so many times a day from so many people from so many different companies and it is learning to accept that okay uh there's going to be somebody who's going to say yes and just like there
1: always is there always is and did you shift your pitch every time or did you keep going with the same pitch
0: So I'm going to say that I did a lot of shifting. I'm one of those people. So your listeners should know that I have severe ADHD. So my inability, uh, my biggest inability is to focus on anything and to be consistent with anything. Unfortunately, that is my, you know, if I could change anything, that would be it. Um, So I'm constantly changing my pitch, whether even 12 years later, I'm constantly changing my presentation, the way I speak, the pitch, the everything. I am constantly doing that, um, which is not great. It's not something I recommend. But, you know, when you have ADHD, you kind of learn to work within the boundaries of what works best for you.
1: Well, I feel like it's actually been a gift for you.
0: I, I kind of joke that I feel like ADHD was almost my superpower. I feel yeah. like it has allowed me to not give in and give up. Mm-hmm. Um, it has allowed me to kind of shift when, you know, because I don't focus on the same thing for very long, it doesn't yeah. allow me to necessarily get... Um, too involved in the same task, too bored of the same task because I'm constantly. Well, this is kind of what my brain looks
1: like. Sure. If you had an insight, it's like scrambling, <laughs> yeah, like a, egg beaters, like egg beaters going. So Sharon, yeah. then if you if the follow through, which is what I think you're talking about, is not your strength, you must have made some key hires through your three companies.
0: Yes. So, and I'll just focus everything on PTPA. Yeah. Um, you know. Over 12 years, you hire and fire uh, a lot of people and people quit along the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had a lot of terrible experiences with people Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, you trust people implicitly and then they pick up and start a competing company Mm -hmm. or, you know, you've done a ton of training and then they just leave with no notice. Um, But I'm lucky in that uh, I feel like I've finally figured it out somewhat. I know that at the end of the day, everybody has to make the best choice for them. Mm -hmm. So the expectations I put on people are, you know, what I expect from them between 8.30 and 5. And if they have to make another life choice, because that's what makes sense for them, then, you know, more power to you. I wish you all of the best. Um, And I think... Um, right now I have some great people who've been with me for a while. You know, I have one person who's been with me for over eight years. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how to open the door without her. Cause she yeah. is my, I call her our real official boss. We all take orders from her, but she's the best and reliable and trustworthy. Right. And mm-hmm. people like that are really what make your business, what make your company and what make you be able to get out of bed every day to do this every single day and hear all the no's. And hear all the no's. And so was she one of your first hires? Uh, No, no. She was brought on by one of my first hires, actually, and she outlasted that person. Um, I have a fantastic marketing director Mm -hmm. uh, who's been with me for a while, great sales. Um, So it's really, you know, people will evolve over time in terms of the people you have on your team, but it's, you know, hoping that you get the best out of them while they're with you and really making them feel valued that I think makes
1: the biggest difference. Isn't that awesome? And what point did you think or know that ptpa would be a seven figure business or multi seven figure year 2 did you By i would say two. at the end
0: of year 1 i was i it was we lost a ton of money year mm-hmm. 1 mm-hmm. but i saw the potential Mm -hmm. And I was so excited about the potential and the television and the interest and the consumers that were signing up to be part of this community and the passion behind it. And I just thought to myself, this is something that I need to keep going with. I need to pursue no matter how much I lost that first year. Mm -hmm. um, I really believed in it and felt passionate about it.
1: You see, that is such an important key that I think some entrepreneurs – don't have is that deep passion and belief in what they're building, right? They think it's a good right. idea. or they, they kind of know it is, but it's that, that passion that I'm sure was a fuel to your resiliency and your ability to just keep going when no was the word that you heard most often.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, one of the big pieces that I, so I mentor a lot of people um, that are starting new businesses or thinking of starting a new business or even people who've actually, you know, are a year or two into their business. And I always say the same thing. I believe that we're living in a society where everybody wants to be that elusive unicorn. Mm -hmm. They want to be that billion dollar company and they're kind of coming up with an idea and they're hoping to even sell the company before that idea has even come to fruition. Mm-hmm. My belief is, you know, a unicorn is a unicorn for a reason. They are, well, I mean, they're really fictional, elusive, <laughs> elusive. Yeah, um, but you know, the ability to create that kind of business, you know, is one in a million. But yeah. um, my belief is that if you get into a business. Be so passionate about whatever that business is. Don't get into it because you want to make a quick dollar, mm-hmm. because you will not be able to ride that roller coaster ride that is the life of an entrepreneur. You will not be able to get through all of the humps and like you know a lot of charts are like showing this as the entrepreneur roller coaster yeah, the Roller coaster. I, I really see it as this the vast majority of the time and every once in a while there's this and yeah. then it's that again so less of a roller coaster and more of a ski hill um, yeah so you know, way with, way
1: way down yeah and then ride right yeah. up and then way 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 down
0: Yeah. And if you're not able, if if you don't love what you do and you're not Mm -hmm. passionate about your business, Mm -hmm. then how do you come out of that, you know, that quick downhill that you are hitting on a constant basis? I think like that's probably one of the biggest reasons that a lot of companies don't make it. It's it's how do you how do you keep going when you're feeling that overwhelmed?
1: Well, I'm going to shift that question back to you. I mean, you would have had moments where you were at the bottom of the roller coaster as well. How did you pull your, your, I know your husband was a big champion. Yeah. How did you also, what are some other things you did to pull yourself out of that hole?
0: I'm going to say it's a combination of things. So, yes, my spouse. I would also say that I was taught very early on um, by my dad actually uh, cash flow how incredibly important it is to be very, very fiscally responsible. So Mm -hmm. I never went out for outside financing, Mm -hmm. never took loans. Everything was self-funded.
1: That was my question.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Kind of jumped ahead there. No, it's Um, perfect. So because of that... I've always been very, very conservative. So you know that could be seen as good or bad um, because it might be bad because it's caused us to slowly grow, whereas somebody else you know goes out, gets financing, can blow up their company within a year or two. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also allowed me to make sure that my dad taught me that you should always put aside enough to run for six months as if you could not generate a dollar of business. Wow. And. That's kind of the way I've always spent. So cash flow, really, really important to me. Um, Another thing is I think a lot of entrepreneurs get very caught up, and I've been to blame for this also, uh, at fault for this. Um, We get caught up in what the competition is doing. And that's a big thing that I learned long ago. I found I was overwhelmed with anxiety Mm -hmm. when I tried to track what my closest competitors were doing or Mm -hmm. if an employee you left and start a competing business, I don't want to know. Because if I spend my time trying to keep up with them, by the time I've caught up with them, they're already on to the next best thing. So I would rather be the innovator than the imitator. Um, And I think that's something that kind of has allowed me to deal with Anxiety, uh, yeah. limited a little bit. Um, and then quite honestly, I did a year of meditation, which I found really helpful. Um, and I am a morning person, so I'm yeah. at the gym every morning between 5:30 and 6, not because I've lost a single pound from it, <laughs> but because of mental health reasons. I yeah. find it just it motivates me for the day and yeah. it allows me to it allows that stress to
1: come out in the form of sweat. Yeah, which is a great outlet. <laughs> right? I think right? we underestimate the impact of moving our body.
0: Yeah. 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 And if that stress comes out in sweat and I lose a pound by accident,
1: hey. Oops. Can't hurt Oops. anyone. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to come back to this um the idea of cash flow because I am like you have not had outside investment either. I've bootstrapped everything that I've done. Uh, or had to raise the money myself. I did it through crowdfunding in order to raise enough capital to print my my planner, um, nice. launch programs. You know, I hosted a live event. I had to raise the money for that, save it up. But it has slowed me down at moments where I needed to make a key hire, but I didn't have the cash flow in that moment. How did you make that bridge between, I know I have to make this business move, but I don't have the capital yet.
0: So sometimes I put the cart before the horse, mm-hmm. um, but I will say that I've there's been a lot of times, and I think this is where the most anxiety came from, where I felt that I was severely understaffed, mm-hmm. was taking on far too much, and really needed to do that higher for my mental health. So if yeah. it meant not taking a salary for a while so that I right. could hire somebody, right. that was something I was willing to do because quite frankly, mental health, you know, I'll I'll repeat it over and over again. I think it is something that just about every entrepreneur struggles with. Um, and I think it is the most important thing to look out for. And if I have to sacrifice something in order to maintain that mental health, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I love that.
1: Who's been your, uh, who's, who's mentored you along your journey?
0: So I I can't say that there's one specific person. I think um, over the years, I've had a lot of friends. I've been blessed with a lot of friends who have been really successful in business. So I've turned to them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my husband as well. He's a great, great sounding board. Uh, I've had different organizations that I've been a part of. Um, I would say right now for the last uh, two years, I've been a member of an organization called PEO Leadership. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like having your own personal board advisors and oh. and it's amazing. You have a moderator who's actually, I think, the most brilliant man I've ever met. He his my one hour meetings with him are like, you know, 12 months of consulting with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this group of people who are in the same situation, have the same size businesses that you can just bounce ideas, bounce problems off of, because I think that is truly the best way to learn because it doesn't matter how big your company is. You could be Microsoft, you could be PTPA, but we're all at the end of the day dealing with the exact same issues, (laughs) just on a different scale, right? Agreed.
1: Bigger business, bigger issues. That's exactly it. I love it. Uh, Did you have to shift any beliefs as you were growing? Or did you always know that a seven figure business was yours?
0: I would say the biggest belief I had to shift was very much related around my own view of myself. Mm-hmm. So while I have absolutely no problem getting on television and talking to millions of people or standing up at a conference and speaking to 500 people and mm-hmm. giving off ultimate confidence, um, I don't have it when it comes to me. I don't have that mm. same confidence. I would say 25% of it is real confidence. 75% of it is me putting on a great show. Right. Um, so I would say that's a big thing I had to shift. I really had to learn to believe in myself, yeah. um, to understand that, you know, if somebody quit, the business wasn't going to fall apart because quite frankly, they had a part of it they had helped me reach a particular goal. But, you know, my husband was great at reminding me that, in fact, I had come up with the idea. I had developed it on my own. Okay. I had helped build it up. And, okay. you know, I got on TV and all these things that I was able to accomplish were done on my own. Right. Um, so really shifting that belief system that um, I need tons of people around me in order to be successful i need everyone's help and everyone's opinion is better than my own mm-hmm. and realizing that in fact my opinion's not so bad from time to time yeah. um, you know while while working with people is highly valuable i need to trust my gut sometimes and trust that my decisions are just as valuable
1: as the next person's yeah i agree well it looks like you haven't made many wrong decisions
0: No, no, I've made a ton, ton. We don't have enough time to cover all of those wrong decisions.
1: (laughs) Well, let's just take that for our final question, Sharon. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned? I hate calling things failures or whatever, but what is the biggest lesson you've learned over your years in business?
0: I'm going to say that... It is all about the people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And and I don't mean that just in a business environment. I mean that in a friendship environment, in a family environment. You know, if you surround yourself with people who inspire you, who believe in the same things you believe in or believe in you, you are kind of propelled to succeed. Um, If you surround yourself with people who are negative, who want to complain all the time, who want to blame everyone else for everything, then you're kind of, that becomes part of that negative energy that you carry around. So I would say the biggest lesson I learned is who I want to associate with, what I'm willing to stand for. Um, You know, ethics are probably one of the most important things, I think, as part of someone's, Um, value system and if if those values don't align with my own then we're just not a fit unfortunately
1: i love that sharon thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your insights and just being so real about the journey and and, uh, we really appreciate that
0: my pleasure and thank you so much for inviting me on the
1: show today i really appreciate it you're welcome if if people want to learn more about ptpa where should we where should where should they go
0: So ptpa.com is for our consumer audience and PTPA Media is for any businesses that are looking to earn our seal of
1: approval. Fantastic. We'll put those links in the show notes below. And on that note, Sharon, have a marvelous day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Road to
0: 7 podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. To learn more, visit SheilaCummins.com for more support along your road to seven figures and beyond in your business. See you next time.